this is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. Thank you for joining us today. It is Mitch and Clint together. Uh, we're going to talk about Social Security and Medicare. So I, I feel like in the news, this was one news item that was mentioned this past week. And every week, it seems like there's so many different news items. There's a G7 summit and all kinds of things going on. And in the midst of all this, we got some really important news on Social Security and Medicare. And I don't know if you feel the same way, Mitch, but I feel like it was just kind of buried. You know, it was announced out there, and then it just kind of fell off. And it's it's actually a huge story, and that's why we wanted to spend some time on this podcast discussing this with with people and, and kind of making you aware of where we're at in the Social Security and Medicare systems and what it might mean for people in the future. Yeah, and it definitely was buried in the news, and headlines can come and go so quickly. We're, we have our phones, which... All these different items are getting pushed to us, and and a lot of times, sometimes these headlines can get buried. But what happened was the the trustees of Social Security and Medicare they come out with an annual report and do kind of a status update of what's going on with Social Security and what's going on with Medicare. And the report came out this year, basically saying, well, year over year, we found that funds might be depleted quicker than originally anticipated. And that is something that might originally cause a lot of people to freak out. It's definitely something that needs to be addressed. That for sure. We can agree on that yes. for sure. But this was one of those headlines that is very relevant to a lot of our clients and a lot of people out there because how many times, Clint, have we sat down with, with clients that say, oh, well, I don't know if I want to count on Social Security because you never know what's going to happen there. That's right. Happens all the time. Probably weekly we get different thoughts from clients like that. So this is one that's definitely relevant. It's on people's mind, and it's something that needs to be addressed. That's right. And the trust funds then, so they say, when will the trust fund be depleted? And we'll take a step back and say, what does that mean? And and basically what it means is we've had this trust fund set up where people's payroll taxes, and you pay your payroll taxes, and part of those payroll taxes go to Social Security, and part of those payroll taxes go to Medicare. And if you happen to be a business owner, you get the the distinct advantage of being able to pay both sides of that because you pay the employer and the employee. And uh, we do that here at WalknerCon, and it's just wonderful. And uh, so we are paying a significant amount of our paychecks, as is everyone listening to this podcast, into these systems. And, and so the systems build up these reserves. And what happened was, back in the day with Social Security, it was really set up to be a very brief program. Uh, the age at which you sh- you could collect Social Security pretty much matched up exactly with the age that people were expected to pass away. 
So said another way, 50% of the people that that got to that Social Security age had, you know, were going to pass away prior to receiving their Social Security, and 50% were going to be able to receive some Social Security income in order to supplement those you know, that those old ages. So, you know, the program was really set up to have this sort of break-even point. Well, then people started living longer and longer, and Social Security really became a integral component to a lot of people's retirement plans. And it is today, still, for just about every one of our clients. I mean, it can be two, $3,000 a month in income that they ended up having to replace. So, I mean, it's an incredibly important uh, program, as is Medicare um, and as is Medicaid. And so what we've found out recently is that uh, these trust funds will be depleted a few years sooner. And so, uh, Mitch, I think you have some, some statistics on that as far as when they're going to be uh, depleted. And so what that means is that the funds that have been set aside for future generations will have been exhausted. It also means that payroll taxes are continue to, to flow into these programs. So, I mean, it's not that they will be bankrupt. And sometimes you hear that, and I, I think it freaks people out, but they won't be bankrupt. They're just going to be underfunded now, and something's going to have to be done. Yeah. On the Medicare side, the most recent report says that it could be depleted by 2026. That's not all that far from now. That's about eight years. And the year prior, the 2017 report, they thought that it was going to be 2029 when the Medicare funds were depleted. So in one year's time, when the trustees sit down and they do their annual report and, and status update, three years have been taken off from 2017 to 2018. On the Social Security side, it is one year different. So they said in 2017 that it would be depleted by 2035. And the most recent update says one year earlier, by 2034 is when those funds would be de depleted. And again, to reiterate what Clint said, that those are the reserve funds, right? So that's not taking into account some of the future tax revenues, so to speak. That's exactly right. And so, you know, back in the day, because of demographics, um, back in the day, we had a significant amount of people paying for, you know, we might have had six to one, just an ex as an example, could have been like six to one as far as, uh, you know, people working versus retirees. So people collecting Social Security. So there might have been six people paying into the system for every one that was retired. And I that, don't think that's the case anymore, is it's it? It's not. It's, <laughs> it's below three now, and it's trending towards two. So, I mean, demographically, that's why people are utilizing this. And so we've got this huge glut of baby boomers in here that are all going to be collecting at similar times. And that's, that's part of the problem with this is that we have uh, such – and they're aging really well. And so from the standpoint of – of quote unquote bankrupting the system. I mean, it, it hurts because demographically we've got this huge group of people. Now, behind them, being the millennials, being so large that they are, it will help because those numbers will help revert themselves. But, um, you know, frankly, we have to have a bunch of these baby boomers start dying, you know, and then it'll correct the whole system, right? <laughs> which, which is really morbid to say. But, uh, you know, if a lot of people died earlier, it would really help out the system. Well, that's not going to happen. We're going to have people that, that live longer. So, you know, for Social Security, if we speak specifically on that one, it says, uh, the New York Times article says that tax collections will be sufficient to pay about three-fourths of the promised Social Security benefits for 75 years. And so, uh, you know, there are some things that the government can do. First of all, you know, we see very little political will to uh, do, you know, reforming these, uh, and it's called, 
you know, it's just a situation where you don't you don't touch it. It's called like the what is it, the third rail of or fourth rail of politics or whatever it is. You know, you can't touch that because um, otherwise you get burned up. And there's some truth to that. Um, that any time that any politician talks about touching Social Security or Medicare benefits, they're like, uh, no, or you're not going to touch it. You know, not for me. So, you know, what are they going to actually do to to help, um, y- you know, shore up these programs? I think Social Security is an easier one to discuss. I mean, Mitch, can you think of anything that they might do to, um, you know, increase the life of Social Security? Well, people want to stay away from working longer, typically. So that's kind of an unpopular one to say, oh, well, work, work longer and you can get your benefits later. But there definitely needs to be some sort of bipartisan effort, I think. Right on this, right? And and with the 2018 tax law that will be set to expire in 2025, one of the things that we'll probably see when that expires is just an increase in taxes again. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we definitely anticipate coming up in the future here. Yeah, and we've talked about how palatable that would be politically. And, and so in, an inherent part of that tax plan is that the personal tax code expires in 2025. It will revert back to the old rates. And so that will likely be a tax increase that we will see, and no one has to vote on that. It just occurs. So because it takes no active political will, um, you know, we believe the likelihood is very high that you're going to see, a, you know, kind of that reversion back to taxation um, of the prior twenty to, prior to 2018. Um, we'll see those tax tables uh, come back into into effect. And some of the things they could do to shore up Social Security, I mean, you can... Uh, change their retirement age. You know, now it's 67, which is your full retirement age, and they could make it 68, 69, 70, even beyond that to receive your full benefit. And that would make some sense because people are, are aging better. So they'll have probably the ability to, to take it early. You know, they'll allow people to take it early at 62, but they'll start increasing that full retirement age. And that would be pretty political pa- politically palatable, especially if they made people that don't vote. Um, for example, during the Reagan years, they raised the retirement age, uh, but they raised it for people that were were not even 18 yet. So, I mean, that makes sense. They can't even vote. So, for me, hey, let's make uh, let's make Sawyer and Hadley bear the brunt of that. My kids uh, that are five and two now, well, get them with the higher retirement ages, not the people that vote. So, you know, that's I think very likely to occur. The other thing they can do is change the. Um, inflation index so they've u- they've gone to more of what they call chained cpi and basically this is a way of the government to say okay well let's not give um, true cost of living increases it's kind of a a modified way to do this and and that's another way that you can kind of pick away at it and then you know there might be an increase and i think we're going to see it an increase in payroll taxes to help offset that um, if they just did it on the payroll set tax side, you're probably seeing an increase. This is just an estimation, but probably like around 40% if they really wanted to shore it up. I've seen numbers here and there. I mean, that's a significant increase in payroll taxes. So, um, you know, that wouldn't be as politically palatable. So uh, there's going to be a combination of these things to probably shore that up. So um, the other thing you could do on your own financial plan is, okay, well, you know, if the government is telling me that, you know, they only have enough money to pay off 75% of the benefits without doing anything, maybe use 75% of the benefits in your own financial plan if you wanted to be super conservative. I have seen that done. Exactly. And and that's something that we have to talk with to our clients, right? Because there are some that believe, yeah, we'll find a way. We'll, it'll be fixed. These these funds will find a way to to regenerate some, some excess reserves there, but there's going to have to be action needed, right? So it depends on 
really client by client. How much do you believe that the system can be fixed or right the ship versus should we just take a conservative effort? And, and naturally, as financial planners, we want to play it pretty conservatively, right? <laughs> we, don't right. Wanna, we don't want to go out on a limb saying that, oh, yeah, we're going to expect that Social Security is going to, maybe you're going to increase your Social Security monthly allowance. Well, as planners, we probably want to take a conservative approach, and maybe that 0.75 multiple might not be a bad way to, to approach it. That's exactly right. And also, uh, you know, Social Security and, and Medicare make up 40% of the federal budget. So, I mean, so much focuses on all these different things, these entitlement programs and things like that. And they're a fraction. I'm not saying that they're not important, but they're a fraction of the federal budget. And so, you know, I think that sometimes people miss the forest through the trees uh, just saying, hey, look, you know, you've got to look at these things that have an enormous burden on the the uh, budget deficit and Social Security, Medicare right there. So, you know, I mean, we're going to see something happen with it, um, but it's probably kicking the can down the road a little bit. And, and then, uh, you know, I personally believe we're going to see higher taxes. I think we're in a tax trough. This is a personal opinion of mine. Now, I've shared this with clients. I said I might be wrong, but I think we're in a tax trough because, um, you know, this is the deficits are going to get larger. The tax plan that got signed into law, um, while it will probably be good for economic growth, will probably not be anywhere close to paying for itself. So we're already seeing deficits increase. So in, in, unless we see some sort of incredible growth numbers and taxes paid, it's highly unlikely that the tax code pays for itself. So, um, you know, we're going to find some austerity here. Um, you're going to see in kind of an odd situation because, you know, the Republicans have always been painted as the fiscal conservatives. The Democrats are likely to run uh, this year and in 2020 on a platform of, of a bit more austerity. Um, and I, it's probably a, a strategy that is going to capture some votes uh, because people are going to start to see these deficits get rather large. And, you know, if the Democrats can kind of steal that issue away from the Republicans and paint them more as the spenders, um, I, I think you're probably going to see that as a politically expedient way uh, to, to pick up votes and seats. Um, and if we do see a huge blue wave come in 2018, um, you never know when the the tax code could change. I mean, it could change. You know, it's unlikely that Trump would veto his own tax plan. But, you know, if you'd see in like 2020, um, they would they could undo a lot of the legislation in 2020 if the Democrats have the Senate, the House and the presidency all together. Uh, I think you're going to see that those taxes could change. So, you know, what do you think that means now, Mitch, for kind of. A, a recency and the way that you would handle the tax code now um, in your own personal, in, in our client situations in many cases. Yeah, there's a lot of people that we've talked to to, to encourage to take advantage of, of now, right? Take advantage of 2018. And I actually, myself personally, fall into this, this group that has done things to take advantage of favorable tax law. And in my case, that was converting traditional retirement assets to Roth. Basically, I, I taxed them in 2018 tax year. And so my taxes at the end of the year will reflect that when I'm paying my bill in, in early 2019 for 2018 tax law. And that's a discussion that we have with a lot of clients is, hey, this tax law is here for, for now. How can we best utilize that for your situation and potentially tax you at a lower tax bracket currently and set you up where you're, you've already been taxed, then sometime in the future, you don't have to worry about that in, in a retirement asset setting. That's exactly right. I think it's really important now to look at 
all of your assets um, and, and speak with an accountant um, and work with your financial advisor to be able to determine, um, you know, how does my situation kind of, how does it get incorporated into this current tax plan? And, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about taxation and recognizing taxation now when we're talking about the conversation with Medicare and Social Security. And the reason why we are is that we see kind of the writing on the wall that, hey, if this is truly a, a unique situation in our tax code and a unique point in history, uh, because the revenue versus expense numbers in the federal government do not look good going forward, um, you know, it does color what we do now. Um, and it's a great time to take stock of where you are personally. And if you, for some reason, have lower income years, like, you know, a spouse is out on maternity leave for you, Mitch, perfect. Like, your income is going to be lower then. Um, you know, certain things like that, where if you have the money on hand in a taxable account or saved up, where you can withstand taxation, because you, you don't, you really don't want to take out, you don't want to do a conversion and take taxes out of that. That's taking six steps back. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but if you've got money on hand to pay those taxes in these tax years and you've got some money saved, it can be an incredible um, thing to do for yourself from a tax perspective, making those assets from tax deferred to tax free. Thank you for pointing that out, by the way, because I didn't mention that in my piece. But that is good to, that's good to point out to the listeners because otherwise it could have been potentially taken the wrong way. Yes. So make sure you can afford the tax <laughs> bill is 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 very important point there. Yes. Yeah, we don't want you to get a tax surprise at the end of the year. That's why I say work with the accountant too to understand and, and fully understand where you're at from a tax perspective. Um, and, and strategies such as this and other strategies can have an impact on how many exemptions you should claim on your paycheck. Um, so, you know, you, you've got a, there's a number of different things in play here, and it's more complex than just, okay, I'm just going to convert some assets, you know, fill out the form and then deal with it at the end of the year. I mean, uh, that could be a big surprise. And, and right. you've got to be really careful about other things too, about jumping tax brackets, about, um, you know, losing some tax credits, things like that, or, you know, or your itemized deductions, taking a look at that. All of that together in a tax uh, conversation. So, I mean, there's a lot of nuance to this, um, and that's why uh, you know you got to be careful and you've got to get with people that you trust to be able to to do this and accomplish this. And for those listeners out there, maybe pay extra close attention to our disclosures at the end of the podcast. Because again, we are not <laughs> CPAs; we yes. don't have a CPA on on staff. And if, for those of you that maybe click to the next podcast or press stop. We do have disclosures in place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Compliance is very important to us here at Walkner Condon, <laughs> even though I, I, I dread and detest the, the job of being our CCO, which means I'm, I'm our chief compliance officer. So, um, you know, someday maybe I'll be able to give that away to somebody to like Mitch or something like that. So <laughs> we'll see. And, and the other thing I was thinking about, too, is, is a lot of times people, uh, when we have this conversation, they think of their their whether it's a traditional IRA, a rollover IRA, a Roth IRA, that's all part of this discussion. But a lot of times people don't realize that they also have Roth options in, in some employer plans, but in their 401k. And that's another part of the discussion. Looking at the, the client's income this year, looking at their situation that they're currently in, do we want to start allocating some of that pre-tax traditional money and maybe change that allocation on what they're contributing towards their 401k. That's right. If a conversion is off the table, then considering the uh, contribution side um, is incredibly important. And yes, just about every 401k plan now has a Roth side to it. Um, you do have to ask your employer 
uh, because it's related to a plan document that the employer has. Uh, you know, frankly, I think every 401k plan should have a Roth option, and if it doesn't, you should probably talk to your human resources uh, department, and perhaps they can get that added onto a plan document. It's it's very easy to do that. Um, and furthermore, there is a nuance of the tax code that allows you to convert assets in your existing 401k plan to the Roth side if the plan document allows it. Um, so, you know, there's like, th that's the interesting thing about this. There's laws that allow you to do certain things, but then your employer has to write that sort of stuff into the plan document. So, you know, it's like, okay, we have a framework and all this stuff is allowable, but do you have the actual pen to paper saying that you can do this inside the plan? So, um, consider that you've got a lot of options on the table there. And if you don't know and not familiar with what your options are, you know, again, work with your financial advisor, work with your financial professional, your trusted professional to get you to that point. So, um, you know, hopefully this has kind of helped you at least think of, hey, we know, take stock of your own assets, categorize what the taxation is on those, take a look at your income, take a look at the tax tables, um, you know, have all those, that, those sorts of discussions around, you know, what does the next seven years look for you? And, you know, how can you shift assets potentially to more tax-free sources? Um, some situations where you may not want to do this is, you know, if you're really close to retirement and you've got huge income, you're making three, four, five hundred grand into this, you know, a year, uh, and you're a really successful professional, well, you know, you may be stuck in this sort of tax deferral situation versus tax free. But if your income's, uh, and I'm going to call it lower in quotes, I mean, if you're earning under 150 grand a year, hey, maybe you really want to consider a, a tax free strategy in that money because of where the tax codes are today. So, um, you know, I, you know, obviously that's a good salary too. If you're at 150, I'm not disparaging that. I'm just saying, you know, let's plan out things and make sure that that's you're doing what's in your best interest and in planning out things and, and understand that, you know, we have a philosophy and other people have different philosophies. I mean, accountants are always trying to, you know, kind of minimize your taxes in this year. Our job as financial advisors is to give you the most after-tax money um, long-term. So, you know, sometimes we have a different uh, goal and objective in mind uh, with our clients than, say, an accountant does year by year. But if we can get in the same room with the accountant, and talk through these sorts of things and work as a team, I think that's when we're our most effective. And I, I would argue that that's where the accountant is the most effective too, knowing that we're all on the same page and we have the blessing of every party, um, every professional in the room along with the clients. Yeah, and, and coming down the home stretch of this podcast here, I want to go back to where we started. And we basically came out saying that the funds for Social Security and Medicare are going to be depleted. Yes, Pretty bold, right? And we came out and said, oh, by 2026, it looks like the Medicare one is going to be depleted. And for Social Security, it's 2034, and they're depleting at a quicker rate, which for those listeners that are in their late 50s, maybe early 60s, starting to plan, and, and they're counting on some sort of Social Security paycheck, I want to make sure that that we're transparent about this, but also not have them freak out to the point where they just are going to say, oh, in, in two years from now, I'm not going to get that paycheck. So that was something I kind of wanted to go back to. And, and Clint, what would you maybe say to those that, that might be in their late 50s, early 60s that had that thought when they first tuned into this podcast? Yeah, I, I think it, there's two things that I would say. I mean, number one, those programs will not be depleted to the point where they're going insolvent or bankrupt. Um, if you hear that, that's more of a political tactic than anything else. Um, and I think it's disingenuous to say that it's bankrupt. Um, it is underfunded, much like a pension plan. Many pension plans are underfunded. This is underfunded. Um, they will find some 
way, shape, or form to get them funded at a better level. What people should say realistically is that from a tax perspective, they're probably going to be taxed more in the future. From a benefit perspective, um, there's a decent chance their benefits are going to be taxed at a higher rate uh, or curbed slightly um, to be able to do this. And, and it's probably, a, uh, you know, it'll be a combination of three or four different things that they end up doing to shore up the programs. It actually isn't that difficult to shore them up, but uh, the political will will come when it's looking the most dire. So, I mean, they're probably going to kick the can down the road for a while until they actually have to deal with it. And, uh, you know, that'll be kind of a scary year when you get closer and closer, and especially if the years start continue to get lopped off of these numbers where all of a sudden it seems like every year they announce this, you know, it gets shorter and shorter. So I don't know. I, you know, obviously the government has an issue with their own numbers. Um, so we should say it will probably be sooner than that, even that it ends up, uh, you know, depleting. But, uh, you know, it will be OK just because it gets depleted does not mean it's insolvent. And I'm thinking that about a year from now, we should do an updated podcast. Well, you can take a look at the latest trustee report. And I'd be curious to check in on that about a year from now. That'll be fun to see and probably pretty sobering. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you for joining us on this episode. As always, we really appreciate your support. We uh, love it when you guys subscribe and give us feedback. So uh, please continue to do so. And if you guys want a topic or anything, uh, send it to us. We'd be happy to entertain it. And uh, you can listen to more of our musings and give me some truth. Thank you very much. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.